0: Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I'm Vicki, and I am so excited today because I get to talk to another homeschool graduate And this is even more special because she's the daughter of our good friend, Meryl, from Homeschooling with Technology podcast. So she's like, I've never met Meryl in person, but we talk on Facebook all the time on the messenger, and it's like a kindred spirit kind of soul. Only she's smarter than me. All right. So this is her daughter, Rachel (laughs) Vandemarva. Did I say the last name right? It, it works. There are so
1: many variations of it, and even now, moving to the Netherlands, they pronounce it even differently. So, so say say
0: it your way. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, the Afrikaans way is uh, Rachel van der Merwe, um, but I mean, you ask my mother, she'll say van der Merwe, That's the uh. emphasized version, and then I still haven't quite figured out the way that the Dutch say it because it's originally Dutch, but it's an uh-huh. Afrikaans derivative.
0: Yeah, that's marvelous. So, which just absolutely segues marvelously into, tell us your homeschool story.
1: Yeah, Um, so I I never, growing up, I never imagined being homeschooled. Um, So we are from South Africa originally. So I grew up going to public school in Cape Town, uh, which I absolutely loved. Um, And this is very British style. We had school uniforms, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, everything. And then I, then we moved to the United States and we planned to transfer into the public school system in Tennessee. And I, I went for my walk around and visit and came back home and realized I was like, oh no, like I the, the way that the school system works in South Africa, I was ahead mm-hmm. um, of what everybody was doing and felt completely like a fish out of water. And then I did the standardized testing in in Tennessee, which is the the TCAPs, and they 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 have tested me as like 12 plus, plus which was absolutely ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. I uh, yes, I do like school, but I'm not that smart. I wasn't, you know, and at that point I was 13 uh, and I was not uh-uh. ready for college um, uh-uh. at all. And so I really just realized at that point that I was, it just wasn't gonna be a good fit and mm-hmm. um, and that we needed something that continued to sort of the, the educational model that I'd had in the British school system in South Africa. Um, so I, initially I was absolutely horrified at the idea of being homeschooled because mm. <laughs> I just had visions of being antisocial and uh, yeah. isolated. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was just like the worst thing in the world. But I also actually started to make the people who really were the most welcoming for me, you know, a young South African who was also culturally, and we moved to the South in the U.S., which is oh. a very rude cultural shock. Very, very different culturally. Yeah, um, very different. And, I I don't know if you've seen the movie Mean Girls, but that was my life. It was a lot of, but if you are from Africa, why are you white? And do you ride elephants to school? And um, it was it was really hard being a teenage, you know, Mm -hmm. becoming a teenager and moving. But homeschoolers were just very open and welcoming. They asked Mm -hmm. good questions, and I think everybody in the community were sort of. was like a motley crew of folks from all sorts of walks of life who'd Mm -hmm. all come to homeschooling for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And that became my sort of community of like the sort of outcasts, I think. And Mm -hmm. so it was quite nice. And um, it also allowed me to continue doing studies the way
0: that I was more used to. So that's how I ended up homeschooling. So it it was not your first choice, but once you got started homeschooling, you found good people and it was a good fit educationally and it worked.
1: Yeah. And it was a good fit personality wise too. I, you know, I, I I always say to, to people who are thinking about homeschooling, like you really do also need to know your children's personalities and like what they need and, Mm -hmm. and how to go about homeschooling. And for me, I'm very self-motivated and, I'm very curious. And so for me, I think the school system would have really dampened my spirits Um, and homeschooling let me explore and try new things. And I didn't have to sit and wait in class for everybody to finish the Mm. assignments. Like, so I could do the assignments that, you know the classes that were easy for me, I would do them, you know, 20, 30 minutes and be done. And then I had space for all these other cool things. Like I did, you know, AP art history and I did, well, my, Parents may be decoding because they're both computer programmers. <laughs> <laughs> that was less exciting. Um, yeah. But I did a lot of like other extra things, um, forensics, you know, and mm-hmm. just like fun things that I would never have gotten a chance to do because I could maximize my time.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's what I have heard consistently as I'm talking to the young people in your generation who graduated from homeschooling Mm -hmm. is one of the best things they found is they had time to do what they wanted to do, to explore and do different kinds of courses or develop an interest. And there's just not the time to do that in a traditional school setting. No. So that's, that's a a benefit in case somebody hadn't thought about that.
1: There are like some public school, uh, well, some school systems that have created different models. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what you have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause there's not one kind of traditional school either. No. Yeah. Um, All right. So. Just as a teaser, let's jump yes. ahead a couple of years, okay. a few years, and let everybody know what you're doing now. And then I want to go back and say what worked in your homeschool world, you know, so that yeah. that teens and moms can kind of, kind of get some tips from you. So, so what you doing now?
1: So I am in my very first year as an assistant professor of media studies at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands, um, which basically means that um, my job is uh, technically 60% teaching, 40% research. So I, uh-huh. um, I do research on media studies. Um, specifically, I do work on uh, digital media in South Africa and how it relates to national identity. Um, and then I also teach, and I teach all sorts of kinds of things to do with media. I teach uh, video games, uh, TV, film. I teach social media. I teach... A little bit of journalism here and there, um, anything related to any side, the type of media. Um, it's it's a blast.
0: That sounds like the coolest job. That just sounds like <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> so, and I bet you, of course, any teaching job is not like like perfect, but you're doing such a nice mix of teaching and research and you get to do research how cool is that yeah well
1: the the get to do research i'm still waiting for that to happen because technically 40% of my time is supposed to be research but oh. this year with the pandemic and um, just it, teaching kind of took up all the time and just mm-hmm. managing a student's uh emotional and uh well-being was exhausting this year. I mean, a lot of what I do, I know you said you're a counselor Ooh. and yeah. a lot of what I end up doing is being a supplementary <laughs> counselor and therapist to my students yes. because um, they don't always have access to um, that kind of mm-hmm. help, or you know, they that's they need more, and um, or I'm just there. I'm there to yeah. listen. So done a lot of that, and uh, hoping next year. Once things go back to a little bit more normal, I can actually do more of my research. Yeah.
0: I can remember in graduate school back in the like the dark ages, um, I was doing research on something and the, the the statistics stuck in my head that a college professor who cares can be more influential in a young person's life than even their parents. Wow. And so I was thinking, you know as your students have gone through the pandemic, they needed somebody who could be a a kind or supportive person in their lives. Cause it like, who's been through a pandemic before is so hard on, on young people. So thank you for being that for them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. And it's, it's been a thing that's, it's been a very difficult, exhausting year. And that's the one, the one thing that's kept me going is, is seeing, being able to be there for my students and being in their lives and they've been very vocal and appreciative too so I'm grateful for that um because it's a it is a very fun job but it is also a exhausting job I I work probably 70 hours a week Um, Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. often work weekends I work Mm -hmm. late into the night you know Mm -hmm. when (laughs) there's a lot of grading and things like that um but that's what keeps me going that's even Mm -hmm. when I'm absolutely exhausted is knowing that I can um yeah be that in a student's life, because that's what my professors were to me. Um,
0: that's awesome. That is awesome. All right, now let's backtrack. So <laughs> yeah. what, what worked in homeschooling your high school years yeah. um, that helped prepare you for life, for, for college, for what you're doing mm-hmm. now? Like what were the the, the good things that, yeah. um, that you experienced in high school?
1: Well, the first thing, um, I actually when I got to the stage when I was writing my dissertation for my PhD. Um, I found it remarkable how similar that process felt to being in high school and homeschooled again, mm. um, actually mu- much of grad school was like that because once you hit grad school you really have to design your own sort of path. Mm-hmm. You really have to figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly having to decide what do you want to study? Even when mm. you have a class and you have a paper to, to write for it, the class is usually fairly general and you have to write the paper based on your own re- research interests. Mm-hmm. And I, while some of my colleagues were you know, still trying to figure out what they wanted to do... I was so used to this, you know, because when you're homeschooled, you, a lot of times, especially if you have multiple siblings and your parents mm-hmm. are running after the young, I was the oldest. So it was always, my mom was like, just figure it out, Rachel. <laughs> yep, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> yep. But it was actually really helpful for me because I'd learned how to be self-sufficient. I'd learned mm-hmm. how to be self-motivated. I would learned how to read well too, because so mm-hmm. much of homeschooling, especially, and I'm, I noticed this a lot that homeschool is, will homeschool their kids when they're younger and then put them in school. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that you should, I almost think it should be the other way around. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to send them to public school, do it when they are younger. And then like in high school, that's such a great time to learn um, study skills, reading skills, Mm -hmm. learning how to take ownership of your own education. Mm -hmm. Because even if you have textbooks, even if you have, you know, adults who are involved or you're going to some sort of co-op classes, it really forces you to do it yourself yes and, yes and I see that also with my students as they come into university the ones that have learned how to for instance manage their own schedules like mm-hmm. my mom had a sort of a vague schedule for us but she mostly expected us students as her students to mm-hmm. do it ourselves like we had to submit how we were going to structure our time ah. um, to my mom and mm. um, and then we had sort of general like we had Tea time, lunchtime, um, and various, uh, I think, morning assembly. My mother uh-huh. was very structured. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's cool. But the rest of it was very, we had to figure it out for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that taught me how to create a timetable and how to manage mm-hmm. my time so that when I got to university, um, I was fine. Because I think for a lot of students, especially if they come from high school where everything is scheduled for them, yeah. and then they get to college and they have to pick their own class schedule, figure out when they're going to do homework. It's just so much. Um, yeah. So homeschoolers actually tend to do much better, I find in in managing their time. Um,
0: yeah, I've heard that as in my counseling hat, I my office is right near the University of Delaware, so I get to work with a lot of freshmen. Okay, yeah. And uh, a lot of their anxiety is they get to midterms and haven't structured anything, haven't really done anything. And then all of a sudden they're having panic attacks. So, but the homeschoolers I've had, you know, the college professors talk to me and say that uh, they noticed their homeschoolers can manage their time and be prepared and follow a syllabus and that kind of thing. So,
1: yeah. And I think too, um, at least my experience with homeschooling meant that because my parents were much more engaged and involved in what I was doing, there was also, A more of a synergy between my personal life and my sort of you could call it professional life Uh Um, and I think that's really important because sometimes you can get lost in a classroom and Mm. um, because I was used to having those things connected also once I got to um, university I'd learned to go to my professors and tell them what was going on with my life Um, I would go talk to them and develop relationships with them because I was used to having a relationship with my teachers, mm-hmm. I'll be, I mean, still, it was a professor, I mean, parent to child relationship. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't treat me like I was their friend. Um, dad was very much principal, um, mm-hmm. but I'd learned how to talk to them and go take ownership of my education and ask for help. And for me, and this is all the professors I know, we spend so much time begging our students to come to office hours or come mm-hmm. meet with us
0: mm-hmm. and they just
1: don't do it. Mm-hmm. And that is that is like, the, if you do one thing in your education, just from the very, in the, just tell yourself in the first three weeks of the of the university semester, I will go and meet with each of my professors in their office. Come up with some reason, you don't need to need help. Maybe you just want to talk more about something that they assigned. Maybe you just want to go ask the professor about their research. Like professors mm-hmm. love to talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you develop that relationship, the professor will see you. And they will show up and keep trying to help you and especially if you tell them like look this is my goals for the class um Mm -hmm. they will support you in that and I think homeschooling taught me to do that and um I just I wish I could get more of my students because the ones that do show up in my office are the ones that end up getting the best grades not because I'm rewarding them for that but because I'm able to give them the support that they need to do it themselves yes
0: And that I have heard that from so many college level teachers is tell students to come and visit me in my office hours, like, (laughs) like, because that is like, they're the ones that can, you have that time, you can think of questions to ask, you can get them to look over a paper, you can, like, there's, there's so much that can happen academically, but sometimes just the the mentoring connections that happen spontaneously are so valuable, not only for that class, but ongoing. So I, I, I'm glad you learned that kind of synergy from your mom and dad, so that you already had kind of skill for that when you went off to college. So, so what did y'all do? Just like if you ran into trouble on a calculus question, you would go ask your mom or like, what, what did that look like in a in a definitely high school not my situation. mom for calculus <laughs> <laughs> um
1: yeah I mean I would calculus was usually my dad um and it was also nice because like my parents set up sort of a network in our like extended family and friend community mm-hmm. of people who were the experts in the various things So, uh, like, whenever I was doing like anatomy or biology um that was go to, down the road to my uncle who was a doctor and uh-huh. ask him for help <laughs> okay. um And I mean, I think too, because we were always just talking about things around the dinner table, it was just part of conversation. Um, And I think my parents also modeled what it looked like to go to people and ask for help. Uh I don't know. Yeah. So it's one of those things, like I think I just sort of internalized and that's something too, because when I'm, because I still do teach, I teach high school, um, homeschooled high schoolers um, as with my mom's company, Funda Funda. And I work a lot with parents as part of that job too. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. That's something that, um, I. those are the kind of conversations I've also had with them about getting them to model to their, their children, the behaviors that they want them to have. Mm-hmm. And this is also like in the research that we do in digital media, we found that, I mean, people are always complaining about the kids these days and their use of smartphones <laughs> and technology it's actually the research shows that they've all learned that from their parents. Yeah, It's from watching mom and dad pull out the phones at the dinner, din- uh, dinner table. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. about watching them, you know, while they're waiting for the doctor, you know, doctor's appointments, they pull out their phones um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or they're on their phones and they're driving. And so the biggest thing I try to like teach also homeschool parents that I, when I'm working with them is like, what are the things that you're doing in your family to model behaviors of showing them what's okay to ask for help, mm-hmm. showing them that it's okay to have a community to to learn, that you should have a community for learning. Yeah. Um, and I think my parents just modeled that for me. So I saw it always as a, it's always okay to ask questions. It's always okay to sort of reach out um, and learning is something we do together.
0: That is just so fabulous. Now, <clears throat> when you were homeschooling high school what were you exploring or experiencing that led you to your college experience you know all the way through PhD and dissertation you know like what what were your your triggers your experiences that made that bloom
1: yeah um I think I mean firstly um my mom was a double major in English and German and it was very big into writing and I I honestly owe a lot to her for Mm. not being afraid, well, maybe she would say differently, but, like, she really did keep bringing up the ways that I needed to improve my writing, and it came, there was a lot of um, uh, (laughs) yelling at each other, and tensions, and (laughs) frustrations, yeah, that's right, Um, and, but she just kept on kind of, Mm bringing it up and addressing. It. I did remember a lot of time being sent to dad's principal office to talk about me being disrespectful to my mother. Um, <laughs> but I look back now and I constantly get feedback about my my writing as being mm-hmm. extremely clear and compelling and um, that I trace back to my mother. I learned yeah. everything about um, how to write from her. And then she also, I mean, this also comes back to my mother. She, in my junior year, said to me, look, I know you can write a research paper. I've seen you do it. And I know that you are competent with books and reading and things like that. She's like, I want to see you make a documentary <laughs> and uh-huh. I want to try a different medium. And so, uh-huh. um, and then also my family does everything with competitions. And there was this thing called the national history day. Yes. And she was like, yeah. So she's like, okay, there's national history day. Here's the topic it's triumph for tragedy. Um, make a documentary about something historical we'll submit it to the competition and it will also be your end of year you know big paper mm. and that ended up you know I started I, I met with a local documentary filmmaker and um, kept you know submitting I was working on a project on because uh, we live right by Oak Ridge Tennessee so I did a whole project on the Manhattan project and mm. whether or not the atomic bombs were a triumph or a tragedy and mm. ended up winning awards at um, the National History Day and just falling in love with the medium of film Mm -hmm. and had not grown up watching movies and Mm -hmm. just was like, okay, I think I like doing this thing. And it seems more practical than an English degree (laughs) Um, because I was like, that's I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with that. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, I'm not really sure what I was planning to do with a film degree, but um, my parents were supportive and I went just to undergraduate and I I did a film degree, um, film production. And that's kind of, I I worked in Hollywood for a bit and discovered that I hated the industry and hated mm. uh, the, the dynamics. And it's just a very toxic environment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do not have the personality for developing the kind of thick skin that you need to do to uh-huh. be in that world. Um, and I also didn't like asking people for money, which was kind of a necessity for making uh, stuff. Um, yes. And then I realized I missed I missed learning and I missed I realized that a core part of my personality is curiosity and I needed a job that would allow me to constantly be learning. And what better way to do that than be um, a professor? Because yes. then you're you're always learning with your students. So that's mm-hmm. how I um ended up back doing that. But that really comes back to the fact that my mom gave me a lot of opportunities to explore various avenues and be curious. And I could do that in homeschooling, and mm-hmm. I had the flexibility to to turn in a research paper as a film instead of as a as a paper yes and yeah yeah That's
0: huge yeah so i i have noticed with your mom she's big into competitions and so that gave a yep. a reason for doing your paper in a film sort of way um but what other competitions did she have you do over high school Oh
1: man. Um, I did a lot of public speaking. Um, we were, we were very big 4-H'ers. Um, Mm -hmm. and actually I, I'm very grateful for 4-H. Um, especially if you have one that has like a suburban urban element Mm -hmm. to it as well, because Mm -hmm. I did, I did communication oriented things all the way, all the way through 4-H. That was Mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. and with public speaking, all the competitions I did, I ended up getting scholarship money. So that was a fantastic way for funding university. Mm -hmm. Did Science Olympiad. Um, which was awesome as well mm-hmm. because I didn't always think of myself as a science person. And Science Olympiad showed me that actually I could also mm-hmm. be great at science. And that's, I mean, to this day, my my research, I do a lot of stuff with scientists. And mm. everybody's like, What what? Where are you? <laughs> how does this mm. connect? And um, but I mean my students love it. Um yeah. and then uh, Science Olympiad, oh, Scholars Bowl, Quiz Bowl stuff. So mm-hmm. we had a team that was doing Quiz Bowls and competing in that way as mm-hmm. well. Um, there was more, there was always more. <laughs> With my mother, there's always a lot of competitions.
0: Yeah, well, that. It's, you know, every family has its own personality, but mm-hmm. it gave you some gifts like the public speaking. You do that for a living now. So yep, that's that's cool. And I don't even
1: think twice about it because mm-hmm. my, my mother was also a toastmaster, So that was also second nature to her. And so she uh. just kept throwing us in front of
0: crowds <laughs> and until
1: you eventually get
0: over the fear and it's a really great skill to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I don't hear in your voice resentment that your mother nudged you in these different areas. And, you know, as a teen, there may have been times where you weren't too happy about it, but um, I don't know, you might've loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I think even like the places where I did have resentment towards my mother, are actually places that, in my resisting my mother, I developed my voice, and yes, um, and that thankfully my parents gave me enough space to do so. Like I remember mm. us having these all-out f- fights over poetry, and my mother mm. telling me I was interpreting the poetry wrong. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: Love Tiger, Tiger, burning bright, and Dylan Thomas, and um, and. I always had some sort of weird interpretation and my mother would always be like that's just no <laughs> and but it's funny because that's what I do now is I my living is basically on interpreting texts media texts mm-hmm. where that's movies or films or books or you know whatever and I've also learned too to how to how to help students realize that there are multiple ways of reading a text and also when mm-hmm. you're making a project you have to recognize that once you've made it you let go of it and your audience is going to interpret it the Ooh. way that they will Ooh. so that actual process um as much as i was irritated with my mother and my mother was very irritated with me it it literally has cultivated me um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the coding making me learn coding i was the one child that kind of was grumpy about it at the time and i now actually use coding in my research <laughs> i because i have to <laughs> I've designed programs to extract information from the internet. And uh, my mother thinks that's very funny. Um, (laughs) So, pretty much everything I did in homeschooling has come back to um, either haunt me or (laughs) supply (laughs) me with very valuable needs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just wonderful to hear those stories, is, you know, there are so many things that we do as parents that don't sound like fun. And, you know, like, it wasn't fun to to dicker about interpretations of poetry, but like you said, it gave you your voice and it gave you tools as a teacher. It set that in motion, you know, there's nothing wasted. And I, I think that you guys, when I have talked to your mom, she has such affection in her voice about her kids. And yeah. so I, I think that you guys had enough, um, that balance of affection and nudge that that made it really yeah. work.
1: I mean, I think fundamentally there was, there was respect. Um, Mm. I mean, I think to some extent too, all of us kids were Guinea pigs um, (laughs) and and my mother really has developed a lot of her, her teaching style through kind of figuring it out with us. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of it has come down to my, my mom always sees her students as almost like mini adults. Like Mm -hmm. she respects us in such a way that she knows that we're capable of learning, knows that Mm -hmm. we're capable of growing and gives us a space to do that and mm. is not afraid to disagree with us and to tell us what she thinks, mm-hmm. but is also willing to give us the freedom to make mistakes, try things. I mean, even small things like my parents, when I was, you know, going out with friends and we're going to go see a movie, a lot of, you know, my especially in the sort of the, the Christian community that I grew mm. up in, it was normal that the parents would just be like, you can't see that movie. Mm. And mm-hmm. my parents' approach were was. Uh, you do the research and tell us should you see that movie or not. And, mm. um, and actually, I probably was probably harder on myself than my parents were. And, <laughs> but it gave me the ability to do that sort of work of discernment. And I also felt very respected by my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, they also were very careful. They were parents as well. Mm-hmm. They, they protected me and told me mm-hmm. not to do things that I wasn't supposed mm-hmm. to. do. So it was a really good balance. I think of, of both parenting and teaching and giving me the space to grow yeah. and, and make mistakes.
0: So I love, I just love to hear the stories. All right. Just as a little aside, if you ran into a homeschooler who said, I really want to teach college when I grow up, what, what kind of advice would you give them?
1: I would say, uh, (laughs) I would say you have to make sure you really, really want Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's quite hard to just teach college. Uh, Usually, Mm -hmm. um, sustainable jobs in academia require you to do both research and teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, The smaller the university, um, the more likely of a chance you can do more teaching over research, and that that mm-hmm. depends. But regardless, you're going to have to do research to get your PhD to get mm-hmm. into that position. So you're going to have mm-hmm. to do research. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. My PhD was a grueling experience. Um, it was extremely formative. Um, but then it wasn't just that, it was also just the job market is is, yeah. is difficult. Um yeah. and the and the work hours are very long. And mm-hmm. I've Most people drop out of their PhDs. Most Mm -hmm. people, a lot of people drop out of the entire career. I have Mm -hmm. many, many friends who are extremely smart and, and have not found jobs. I actually Mm -hmm. constantly feel guilty that I'm the one that got a tenure track job. And Mm -hmm. I like, how did that happen? Um, and some of it is just like a withdrawal. I mean, and mm-hmm. a lot of people always tell me like, oh, but well, you're so smart. Of course you got this. I'm like, that's not how it works. <laughs> you can be yeah. brilliant. I mean, you have to be smart to get here, yeah. but then you get to a certain point and it's just being in the right place at the right time. So yeah. that being said, I love what I do. And yeah. so I, I start by being discouraging and say like, mm-hmm. are you sure you really want to do this? Because it's going to be a long, hard road. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's something that you really love, I mean, like for me, getting to work with students is just makes my day. Um, and my work, my research is very much about, um, liberation and transformation of society for, for the better. And Mm -hmm. I get to be, it's basically, I get to do really meaningful work on a daily basis. And so I can go to sleep exhausted, but proud of what I've done. Mm -hmm. So in that case, like I wouldn't do anything else. That's Um, so
0: awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's let's segue. Now, I know you're you're a professor, but you're also kind and you teach a class at least one for your mom. So tell us. <laughs> yes, Yeah. And so she has a wonderful school. So tell us what you're teaching at Funda Funda.
1: Yeah, so I teach a class called I spy um, on visual literacy. And Mm. um, it's a great class if you're looking for an elective, or if you're looking for um, something to go towards your English credit, because what we Mm. do is a lot of learning how to analyze texts. Um, Mm. And some of what we do is Um, Texts that are actually written texts, like um, we look at a graphic novel um, and things like that. But we also look at what happens. Just you know, you can analyze a book, and then what happens when you need to analyze a movie or analyze Mm. a TV show. And especially if you get to English uh, courses at a university level, Mm. you'll take courses that are on film analysis or or television analysis. And that's what we do in this class. And we focus um, just on the visual because it's too much to do also um, the oral side and yeah, we, we look at video games, we look at websites, we look at um, advertising, uh, yeah, movies, TV, all the good stuff, you know, graphic novel. And um, it's, a, it's a really fun class, but it's also, it's a really great prep for university because mm-hmm. I help students find their voice, learn how to write about things, and also learn to write about something that is not just the standard research paper. And then the final project is you actually get to do a video essay on a topic of your choice, um, which for students who are used, especially our students are much more well-versed in TikTok and YouTube than uh-huh. we are. Uh-huh. Um, so that's
0: always really fun for them. Sounds fabulous. So I'll put links in the show notes so that Great. people can thank look you. that up and connect to it. So, well, thank you, Rachel, for being with us. It just is absolutely absolutely blessed my heart and i wish you all the best there in the netherlands at the university that i can't pronounce so
1: (laughs) it took me a while as well yeah Yeah.
0: that's wonderful all right well this has been the homeschool high school podcast brought to you by seven sisters homeschool.com and the ultimate homeschool podcast network we'll talk to you next week